What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. Today we start a new series that we'll use throughout the season of Advent. It's not quite your typical Advent series because it's based on the Charles Dickens novel, A Christmas Carol. You likely know the story, whether from the book, the play, or its many movie versions. My personal favorite has always been the Muppet version with Michael Caine as Scrooge. He's just so crotchety. I love it. Uh, But the reason we can look at a popular book and reflect on our faith is because we know that culture expresses something God has placed inside of us. And every once in a while, a book or a movie or a song can help us better connect with God and with each other. Think about this. God creates the light, and we can either enhance it with big windows in our house or climbing to the top of a mountain, or we can diminish it by moving to the basement or closing the shutters in our home. Some things in culture don't enhance the light, but others do. And I believe that A Christmas Carol does exactly that. We are exploring how crotchety Ebenezer Scrooge is transformed uh, into a man who loves Christmas and all the people around him. So as we begin, I offer this thought, if Scrooge can be redeemed, maybe we can too. Our scripture for today will be shared by Laura. It's a passage from the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is preaching and teaching on his way to Jerusalem He has just finished a story about money, and the religious leaders are ridiculing him. And Jesus says to them, God knows your hearts. What is good to people is often evil in God's sight. So he offers up this lesson about a rich man and Lazarus. This is a different Lazarus from the one who was raised from the dead, but we hear a story of a truly poor man and a very rich man, and what the afterlife holds for them. This is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Hear now the word of the Lord. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's join together in prayer. 
Lord, may we be an inclusive community, passionately following Jesus Christ. Move our hearts as Ebenezer Scrooge's was, Lord. May we see a world of hope, even as others can only see darkness. Bless us as we listen for your word to us today. Amen. Uh, there's a story around the famous Christmas song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Legend has it that when the singer Judy Garland first heard the song, she thought it was so sad and so awful that she was worried people would think she was a monster for singing it. See, the original had different lyrics from what we know today. It was a much darker song originally, and she didn't want to be known for singing a sad, depressing Christmas song. Here are the original lyrics. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. It may be your last. And a little later, faithful friends who were dear to us will be near to us no more. It was a, a truly sad song focused on death and loneliness. Honestly, it was probably very appropriate for Christmas 2020, but Judy Garland would have none of it. She demanded that the lyrics be rewritten, and eventually they were. Now the song is about light, joy, and troubles being far from us. It's a song celebrating friends who are together again. She was able to transform a song about misery into a hopeful tune to inspire us year after year. Now, some of us might appreciate that about Judy Garland, but aren't sure if we have what it takes to make those kinds of changes happen. I bet the folks who are involved in those terrible stories about Black Friday feel that way. They don't mean to act irrationally. They don't want to hurt other people, but there they are abusing others to save a little bit of money. There's one story of two women fighting over a child's doll, and when a police officer comes over to stop them, one of the women bites the officer, removing a chunk of his flesh. He had to get shots for two years to make sure he wouldn't get a disease from that uh, assault. Uh, my favorite is the two men at Staples who got into a fist fight over a $30 label maker, the employees were absolutely appalled. They said it wasn't even the last one. They just couldn't handle themselves. They were crotchety and mean like Scrooge. A lot of us go through something like this. Maybe we are sick. Maybe someone in the family is sick. Maybe you've had too much turkey dinner or work is overwhelming. Any number of things can throw us off track and lead to us feeling like we just can't be the nice person that God intended us to be. We have to know when we are heading down the wrong path, we can feel it. But did you know that people often reject people who are doing the right thing too? It's resentment. When someone is doing exceedingly good things, we naturally get jealous. Here's an experiment they did that lays this out. Four people play a game where they start with some pretend money and make an investment. At the end of each round, everyone gets 40% of the investment back. Now, if you're smart, you'll know right away that you can make the most money by investing the smallest amount possible, and you'll still make 40% off of everybody else, right? But here's the trick. After 10 rounds, you can change the rules and vote someone out of your group. So guess who everyone votes off? Yes, of course, the cheapskate who was trying to rip everyone off gets voted off. 
But guess who else folks will often vote off? The person who gave the most amount of money. When folks were interviewed afterward, they would say the person who gave the most made everyone else in the group look bad. If they felt like someone's kindness made them look bad, they resented them for it and thus the vote to remove them from the group. So both the freeloader and the generous people were looked on as bad for the group. It seems people are predisposed to resent both the Scrooges and the altruists. To me, that just doesn't seem right. How can we better align ourselves with good and think of ourselves less? Uh, I think the story of Ebenezer Scrooge can help here. In the story of A Christmas Carol, we hear about Ebenezer Scrooge and how he is such a cold and callous man, but we don't know much about his past. The story starts with the line, Marley was dead to begin with, and Jacob Marley was the business partner to our protagonist, Scrooge. They certainly made a lot of money together, lending money and charging interest on it, but Marley died, and Scrooge had a rotten, twisted heart. He would shout, bah humbug, at anyone who wished him a Merry Christmas. When he was asked to give some money to help the poor, he answers, are there no prisons? Are there no poorhouses? He doesn't want to give a dime to help anyone else. He thinks all his obligations to others are fulfilled through the government. We see a man who, even if he wanted to, is unable to change. He lives by a mantra that is still quite popular today, you reap what you sow. Yes, those words are from the Bible. It's Galatians chapter 6, but no, they do not mean what you think they mean. Too often we think, we get what we deserve. It's almost like karma or something, where if we do something bad, then something bad will happen to us. Or if we do something good, then we deserve to get something good. That is not at all what the Apostle Paul is talking about in Galatians. Paul meant when you indulge the flesh, then your results are here today and gone tomorrow. But if you make an investment in the Spirit then the results will last into eternity. Scrooge is totally convinced that only one thing matters on this earth, the investments that he makes right now and the things that he reaps here on the earth, and that is money. He won't waste a penny on charity. He won't pay a nickel more for heat to keep his employees warm, and he won't spend a dime on gifts for others at Christmas time. So when he goes home and his door knocker suddenly looks like his old partner, Jacob Marley, he is startled, obviously. He slams the door, races to his bedroom, and puts both locks on the door. But as he's laying in bed and hears clanking and the rattle of chains, it's Jacob Marley again. And this time he can see that the chain is made up of cash boxes and keys and ledgers and deeds. All the deals and money Marley had ever made are now a burden he must bear. Marley is consigned to wander the earth to pay his debt. Scrooge remarks that Marley was always a good man when it came to business, and this is his reply. Business? Humankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, benevolence were all my business. He decries that the wise men 
had a star that led them to the manger of Jesus, and that there must have been a star in his own life that would have led him to help the poor if only he had watched for it. Scrooge finds himself in a hopeless position, knowing that he too has never cared for others. But we know redemption is on the horizon for Scrooge. Three more ghosts will visit to help guide him back to a life that is rightly lived. But for now, he is focused on himself and on his money. Scrooge's story is very much like the parable Jesus told in Luke 16. Lazarus is a poor man in need of help from the rich man, but the rich man has no time for him. He won't let him eat even the scraps off of his table. Soon both men die and Lazarus is with Abraham and he finally has the comfort he never had throughout his life on earth. The rich man, on the other hand, is in such torment that he asks for a single drop of water from the finger of Lazarus. Abraham says it can't happen, so the rich man thinks of his brothers. If they could be warned, they would be spared this awful torture. But again, Abraham says it cannot happen. If the teachings of Moses and the prophets are not enough, even someone raised from the dead wouldn't be enough to convince them. These are pretty stark words from Jesus. People hearing it would have expected that the poor man who has nothing and essentially starves to death would receive a reward in heaven. Yes, that makes sense to us. But the story of a rich man, a rich Jewish man, who would have had a beautiful funeral with many dignitaries coming and celebrating his life, suffering in hell, that would have been appalling to them. The rich man didn't do anything wrong. The only thing we glean from this story is that the rich man didn't share from the scraps at his table. That probably wouldn't have even been enough to even keep Lazarus alive. So why does the rich man suffer? And the answer is not, as Scrooge would say, you reap what you sow. It doesn't matter why Lazarus is poor. It doesn't matter what caused him to lay at that gate begging for food, whether it was mental or emotional instability or a tragic death of a loved one or even a disease. What matters is that there is a clear need presented and the rich man has the means to address it but does nothing instead. He is a Scrooge saying, bah humbug. I don't have to help that poor person. I'm not responsible for someone else's mistake. I don't have to use my valuable time on someone else's problem. And Jesus is telling us that God knows the heart. What we value is not the same thing as what God values. We have to expect our perspective, our view of the world, to be pushed into uncomfortable directions in order that we may see things as God sees things. God is less concerned about your wealth than he is about your assistance to those in need. God does not prioritize your good name among your friends as much as he prioritizes that you make a good name for yourself among the needy. We want to honor those who are successful and those who make us feel good. But Jesus makes it very clear that when we ignore the poor person on our doorstep, we've missed the point of our religion. There is this idea prevalent in Judaism at that time that 
said every person has some light, some amount of wisdom at their disposal. Every person then was responsible to live by at least that much. The good news is that even if you only have a little bit of light in your world, if you follow it, if you follow that light, it will lead to more light. That was what Marley was trying to say to Scrooge when he said, the wise men had a star leading them. Surely there was a star that would have led him to if only he had been looking for it. If you find yourself in a place like Ebenezer Scrooge or the rich man in Jesus' story, it's important to put things in perspective. I came across a story this week where the author was talking about the value of money. He said when you are firstborn, you don't care about money at all. If you put it on a chart, the value of money would be nothing when you are a baby. And as you grow a little older, as a toddler, you still don't care about money. As you start school, you probably still don't care then. But as we get older and older, though, money becomes more and more important to us. There's a certain point, though, where suddenly money begins to lose its value for us. If you're sitting in a hospital, not sure if you're going to live or die, money suddenly doesn't matter all that much, does it? Your life is what matters. When you're sitting on your deathbed, no one says, if only I'd earned more money. No, people say, I wish I'd spent more time with my family. I wish I'd invested in the people around me. Money isn't the priority. People are. Jesus is reminding us of a similar idea. Being rich doesn't get you what really matters. Caring for others is what brings life. And it doesn't matter how others might judge you for it. What matters is that we take on the priorities of God in how we live this life. So let's end with this. Uh, Don Ritchie knew what it meant to care for others. He lived for years in Sydney near a famous cliff called The Gap. It was beautiful and had hundreds of tourists a day visiting. Eventually, though, it became known for something far more sinister as people began going there to jump off the cliff. Many people died, and, and Don didn't want that to happen anymore. So he began approaching people who were there alone, and he would simply offer them tea. He'd say, come have a cup with me. And they'd sit and talk. He didn't pry. He didn't counsel them or offer any advice. Just tea. This human-to-human connection was enough that people would leave his home and head back to their own homes, forgetting about the cliffs behind them. They left feeling like there was some good in the world and a piece of it was for them. So instead of jumping, they went on living. Family of Don have confirmed that at least 160 people didn't jump because of Don and him giving them some tea. But others say the number is more like 400 people. Think about that. Sitting for tea may have saved 400 people's lives. Had Jacob Marley paused for tea in his day, Maybe he would have seen the light. Maybe he would have grown as a person and better understood what it means to live for others. Maybe he would have discovered his purpose and how Jesus is the reason for hope in this world. 
may we be people who can pause to make a real connection with someone around us and prioritize the values of God. As the ghost of Jacob Marley says, humankind is our business. May we learn to turn from our tendencies to be a Scrooge and instead find a life and our hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.